Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. Today, I have my friend and past guest, Tara McKenna, here to talk all about how to make money from brand partnerships. So this is a really exciting conversation. Tara is definitely the go-to person when it comes to brand partnerships. Um, She's actually worked with over a hundred brands on paid collaborations. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her and her background in a second. But again, she's definitely the the go-to person, someone that I follow for all things paid collaborations, brand partnerships, becoming profitable as a content creator, and um yeah, you're going to learn a little bit more about um, her chorus, Profitable Content Creator, that I'm actually personally a part of, and it's been so amazing for me and my business so far as well. So let me tell you a bit about Tara. So Tara McKenna is the creator of the Zero Waste Collective and two Instagram accounts documenting low waste and sustainable living. Across social media, she grew her following to over 450,000 followers. And she also grew an email list with thousands of subscribers, worked with over 100 brands on paid collaborations, and gained some celebrity followers and shout outs along the way, including one from Anne Hathaway on Instagram, which is incredible. (laughs) Tara also wrote a book, Don't Be Trashy, A Practical Guide to Living with Less Waste and More Joy, which was published by Penguin Random House. And she's had extensive media coverage and interviews, as well as numerous public speaking events. Digital marketing is her thing, and now she's focused on helping impact-driven content creators and entrepreneurs grow the business and life of their dreams by teaching them how to grow and monetize their online brands, even with a small following, but authentically and profitably. Why? Because she believes that more financial resources in the hands of people who want to make a difference equals more positive impact in our communities. Thanks so much for being here, Tara. Excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Even listening to what you just said, I was like, oh, is that me? Uh, you know, you <laughs> start to forget the things that you've done. So yeah, thanks for the intro. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and it's so nice to just kind of reflect back at all of the accomplishments that you've had. I think we don't do that often as business owners and something I actually wanted to have you talk about today and something that you do in your own chorus is um, having uh, your students come up with what you call a brag list, like the things that you've accomplished, which we just so often forget about. So I know we'll go into that in more detail. But first, um, for those that maybe didn't listen to the last podcast episode you were on um, or don't know your story, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, it's interesting because my my story has shifted, so I'm not even sure how much will completely line up with the last podcast episode because, as you know, you learn, you grow, you change uh, over time. And so I think a big word for me lately is, is pivot. <laughs> I think a lot of people could relate to that in the last few years anyways. Um, but my my professional background is actually environmental urban planning, 
And eventually I started a blog about sustainable living called the Zero Waste Collective. And that's because I became really passionate about sustainability and nature conservation. And so my blog and social media, it, it really blew up more than I ever even expected it to. So I quit my nine to five job. I landed a book deal and I worked with brands that I loved. And these are the things that replaced my like day job income. And so, as you mentioned, like I've worked with over a hundred brand uh, brands on hundreds of collaborations, and this includes collaborations with brands like IKEA, Corona, Converse. So a lot of like brand names people have heard of, plus probably tons of names that you know people haven't really heard of. So I've, I've definitely worked with quite a wide range of of businesses. And then one day someone slid into my DMs and they were telling me that they would pay me to teach them uh, to do what I was doing. So I created a coaching program and I had already been doing that kind of work informally for free, like helping other content creators with their media kits and their brand partnerships. And so it was nice for someone to be like, I will pay you to help me with that. So I was like, sure. Yeah, definitely. Let's do that. And so, um, yeah, so I had a lot going on. And then after my book launch in early 2022, which by the way, was three months after I had a baby, we actually <laughs> had to shift the date of my book launch because baby and book were due at the same time. Um, Anyways, so I was a bit burned out, so I slowed down to embrace motherhood, and now that my one-year-old is in daycare, I've mostly retired my blog, and I'm now focused on teaching content creators and entrepreneurs how to monetize their online brands with paid brand partnerships, and I do that with one-on-one coaching, but also like an online course um, called The Profitable Content Creator. That's really great. I mean, I love just the journey of where your business came from. Well, not even business, just your interest, your hobby that then turned into a business now, which has pivoted to teaching others to do the same. And um, just to set the record straight, so we're all on the same page, everyone who's listening, can you explain what exactly are brand partnerships to begin with? Yeah, I definitely use a few terms interchangeably. Like I might say, you know, sponsored content or collaborations or brand partnerships, but I essentially mean the same thing when I'm saying these things. And basically that brand partnerships are sponsored content collaborations created for brands on behalf of content creators. And brand partnerships can be informal and unpaid. So you can simply, you know, chat with a brand over DM on Instagram or whatever social media you're on and run a giveaway or perhaps uh, get paid product, um, like be paid in product instead Mm -hmm. of be paid in money. Um, Or you can have a very formal process where you, you know, get out of DMs and into email and you outline all of the expectations, get paid for your work, sign a contract, all of of that. So it can happen in every, every, you know, different way, right? So you're essentially sharing a brand's product or services with your community, wherever that is, whether it's on social media or email or YouTube. And when I first started, it was pretty informal. So I was chatting over DM with brands and working for free. And when I say free, I I really mean like they would send me some products and I would share their product um, on social media. And then it became more formal and I built like a real business out of it, right? And so regardless of the path that you take, I do recommend formalizing the process as early on as possible, simply because um, it's more, you know, it gives you a chance to really protect you and your business. So 
Connecting over email is important because then you can have like a paper trail of your arrangements and contracts are really great because they provide a safety net for both you and the brand that you're working with. And plus it's more professional, which demonstrates that you're reliable to work with. Yeah, that all makes a lot of sense. So something that I'm thinking people might kind of be sitting there being like, okay, this sounds great, but I'm not an influencer. Like I have no idea how to influence, Um, you know, that's not what I would call myself. So, you know, a nutritionist that's sitting there, that's maybe wondering this, can they still do brand partnerships, even if they don't consider, consider themselves a influencer? Yeah, I love this question for sure. So yes, you can make money from brand partnerships, whether or not you identify as an influencer or a content creator, because chances are, excuse me, chances are if you run a business, you have an online presence of some kind, at least for the most part in this day and age, right? So whether that's on social media or you have a podcast or a blog, maybe you have a YouTube channel or a website or an email list, then if you have a community online and you're creating content for them, you could be considered a content creator and you're probably an influential voice for your community without even thinking about being an influencer. I think we have this typical vision in our head of, you know, people who are maybe like the Kardashians, right? You know, they're stunning and they've got beautiful clothes and shoes and cars and houses and all these things. And, and sure, that's definitely one avenue for becoming an influencer. But I think a lot of us are, are influential in different ways without, you know, the shoes, the house, the cars, <laughs> all <Yeah>. those amazing, <laughs> beautiful things. Although those those are great too, right? Um, but I love this popular reel that I've seen on Instagram lately where a mom is saying how she's an influencer and she's got three followers, right? And of course you're like, three followers? That doesn't sound like a lot. And then all of a sudden her children pop up into the frame of this video and it's just like really impactful because yeah, for your kids, you're, you're super influential. And then I just think it really resonates beyond that because really being influential with others is really just about relationship building, right? So we're influential with our friends, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers. And so as a business owner or a nutritionist, right, you can build your business online and build your community of followers, your subscribers and your clients. And then you can have this extra revenue stream with brand partnerships because you get this chance to share products and services that are really aligned with the people that you're talking to, right? So Mm -hmm. for, you know, within the field of nutrition, you've got a lot of products that would be in alignment, right? I'm sure Mm -hmm. you can relate to that specifically. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I do remember feeling that way too and thinking like who would listen to me, uh, which kind of almost brings up the the follow-up question I have is, well, you know, okay, I can see myself as, okay, maybe there's a small circle of influence, but maybe it's a small circle. (laughs) Like I don't have that many followers. So could somebody still work with a brand even with a small following? Yeah. And I think this is a fair question too. And and I get this question um, a lot for two reasons. One, because people feel like they don't have like a big enough following to monetize, right? going back to that whole Kim Kardashian, right? Not everyone has millions of followers. Um, And two, because I ended up growing a massive social media following with the Zero Waste Collective. And at its height, it had nearly 450,000 followers on that one Instagram account alone. And, you know, 
that just happened. Like, I think there were a lot of things happening in the world at the same time that happened, um, that my account grew that way. And the thing is that I started at zero, right? Like I started at zero and I had the opportunity to build it and, and I, I grew and, and, did collaborations along the way, right? So, so people see 450,000, right? 450K and they're like, oh, wow. But don't forget, no one starts there, right? Everyone starts at zero. So also keep in mind that I've also worked with clients who started at zero, right? And I help them to build a brand from the ground up as they started, you know, monetizing around like the 1000 mark, right? 1000 followers or subscribers. So, yeah, you definitely don't have to be big. And the thing is, like, I used to, when I was doing that coaching, like, I was helping people build a brand from scratch. Now I focus on working with people who already have established audiences. And when I say established, I do mean hitting around that 1000 mark. So typically, that's a really good time to start monetizing. Um and so, yeah, like, I think it's also important for me to acknowledge that, yes, you won't make as much money with paid partnerships with 1,000 followers compared to someone who has 10,000 followers, right? And then compare that 10,000 followers to someone who has 100,000 followers. Yes, there's going to be a different pay scale for people who are at different levels of, you know, their community size. And that completely makes sense, right? We're not, we're not all going to be, you know, making Kim Kent. Kim Kardashian's payday. However, we have way more value to offer paid partnerships than simply numbers. So mm-hmm. reach is really important. Um, so for example, like um, just simply even having one to 10,000 followers, and that's considered a nano influencer, um, is really actually desirable. And even the micro influencer stage between 10,000 and 100,000 followers is really desirable because those, these smaller audiences, um, get really great engagement with their community. And so it's really desirable for brands. But I'll give you another example too. So one of my clients who definitely does not identify with being an influencer or a content creator, like I think she just really doesn't even like those terms. Yeah. She prefers being called a small business owner. That's that's how she re- like resonates, right? And it relates to her that way. And so she runs a business by selling consignment clothing for babies and toddlers on her Instagram stories. So for her, her audience is actually really quite local to the city she lives in and it's mostly moms. So it's really, really niche. And she decided that she wanted to run events to get moms and tots together as a way to socialize and and get, you know, moms out of the house, right? Really great way to network. And so it was a great way for her to also sell her consignment clothing in person, but also she could monetize the event with sponsorships. So she promoted these at her event, but also on her Instagram, right? So Mm -hmm. by working with me, she was able to create an amazing sponsorship package that more than doubled her profits from previous events. And at the time she had just under 3000 followers on Instagram. So really it's, you know, we, I think we get really caught up in the numbers, whereas we need to be focused more on the opportunities that, and the value. So you should never feel limited by having a smaller audience. It's really about how you demonstrate your value and how you position yourself as an opportunity to work with brands that are aligned with your niche. 
Yeah, that's a great answer. It kind of reminds me of that. Um, I don't know if it's like a meme or just that online thing that's going around that's like, okay, you know, this is what it looks like to be in front of 25 people. And it's like a small, like, kind of gym or community center and then like a hundred people. And then it's maybe like a university auditorium or something. And then a thousand people. And I think we just don't think what those numbers actually mean. Like those are actual people, like, just like you said, that could be influencer that could become part of your community and trust you and get to know you and like you. And, you know, we so often just think like, oh, I, I only, you know, quote unquote, have, you know, 400 followers. That's 400 people. And sure, you might, just like you said, you might not be making the pay scale that you would if you had 10,000 followers, but those 400 people, you know, if you build a really solid relationship with them, you could have like multiple people purchasing those products based on your recommendations. Yeah. And actually I want to really go off of what you just said and just emphasize quality over quantity, right? Because, you know, the 10,000 followers doesn't matter if people aren't engaged in your community, whereas someone with a thousand very engaged people would then be a better opportunity for brands to work with. Right. So it's really important that it goes beyond the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. So can you actually share a little bit more about your own story with uh, brand partnerships? Like maybe how did that get started? Like what were the steps you took? I'm just so curious, honestly, because I, you know, just from what you said, it doesn't sound like you sought out to create this business at all. Like it kind of, you kind (laughs) of happened upon it and then it became something really big and beautiful. So what did those first few brand partnerships look like for you? Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to say like, it's funny that you say that because yes, when I started my social media account before I started my blog, like I, I, I had two Instagram accounts. I had the zero waste collective Instagram account, but before I started that, I had like a more personal, but still public account where I was documenting my own journey to a lower waste lifestyle. And yeah, so it eventually got monetized and I will share about that story in a second here, but I remember, you know, years back when I was, you know, just graduating university and I was working nine to five. And one day I came home and I told my, you know, boyfriend, who's now my husband, I was like, one day, I think I'm going to run a blog and that's going to be my business. And mm-hmm. I think he looked at me and was like, please keep your day job. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Because this was, I remember what year it was, it was 2013. And, and I think it was probably less common to hear people, you know, leaving their day job because they started a blog. Right. So it definitely was happening then, but not in the same numbers we're seeing today. Anyways, I did keep my day job and I, (laughs) you know, I uh, eventually started a blog later. So it is interesting how I ended up quitting my job for what I, what I built, but it, it was a very organic process. So the very first collaboration I did was a giveaway with a small brand. And when I say small brand, I mean, you know, an owner operated business, like I'm pretty sure it was just her at the time and she worked out of her home. So we both followed each other on social media and we chatted over DM. And then one day we you know, both must have had like the same idea because we started talking and we discussed doing a giveaway and it was like total alignment. Like she had the same idea. I had the same idea. We were both on the same page and we were both so new to it. So we were learning together. Like, what are we doing? Like, how is this going to work? Like, what's the process here? So I didn't get paid for it. It was free. And I say quote unquote free, just because she did send me some of her products. They weren't worth like 
much money really at all. Like they were, you know, lower priced items. So it wasn't, you know, making bank over here (laughs) by any means, but it got me some experience. And so that was where I started, right? And I started to do more of these and I started building relationship with brands that were aligned with, you know, sustainability and transparency and, you know, making sure that the products made sense for my brand and for what I wanted to share. So I was very passionate about the stuff that I was talking about. And so it was very authentic, right? And that was really important to me. And and that's something that should be important to anyone who enters into brand partnerships, because people will see right through you if you start just taking on collaborations just for money or just for products, because they're Mm going to be like, okay, well, that just seems like fake to me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it was really, you know, this organic process of building these relationships and the more experience that I got, I started to formalize the process. So I created a media kit, which would, you know, share the story about me and my community that I built. Like it talks about what my blog is and my stats, like, you know, how many followers, my engagement rates and all those types of things. And, and had, you know, I had my prices. So I started off working for free, but then I eventually monetized, right? And so I put together different priced packages, like what it would cost to have an Instagram post versus a, you know, an Instagram giveaway or a blog post and like layered in all the different um, ways people could work with me. And so I know that, you know, a lot of people assume that brands will come to them and sometimes they do. And certainly they will, if you really start to build those types of relationships, but it might not be immediate. And so it's really important to get your full package ready to go and pitch the opportunities you want and make things happen for yourself. And that is really how I started to monetize was, yeah, a few things came my way, whether it was through DM or email, but also the majority of money that I was making was because I was pitching these opportunities myself. So it was a bit like manifesting what you want. When you put yourself out there, opportunities will start coming to you, but you still need to start, you know, putting yourself out there more, even when the opportunities came. So even at the height of my blog and my social media, I was still pitching opportunities while opportunities were still coming to me. That's a great point. Cause I think some people will just wait and they're like, okay, I'm not big enough, you know, or I'll wait until my account grows or until I have more followers or whatever it might be. Um, but it's like, even you still put boots to the ground, even when it was at its height. So that's really great advice to remind people, you know, I guess also seeing it, you know, it's not a hobby, it's a job, it's part of the job, right? It's an element and to, to, go at it professionally too, and actually have a strategy. Um, you kind of alluded to this, like you had a media kit and you set your prices. I was curious if you can maybe talk us through, um, the specific elements needed in order to work with brands. I personally know a little bit about this because I am part of your profitable content creator chorus. um, And I know it's pretty like methodical in the way that things are set out. And I've learned so much on just like, okay, it's not like you just send an email and hope for the, you know, fingers crossed, hope for the best. Like there's things to have in place for your best chance of success. So what would that look like? Like those elements um, that you would have in place to get those brand partnerships started? Yeah, exactly. So I think you're totally right. I think we like to romanticize the idea of the influencer, right? That brands just are falling over themselves to give free products that are so expensive and send money. Okay, maybe if you're a celebrity, that might happen. Yeah. But for most content creators out there, there's definitely a method, right? There's a method, there's a process. And even when products and money are involved, there are 
are still systems at play, right? Because there is still so much that happens behind the scenes. We might only see all of the pretty things. We get to see the final videos, the final Mm -hmm. photos, like all the things when it's all pretty, but there's a lot happening behind the scenes. And so part of what I teach is the behind the scenes, right? And so the important elements that you need to land brand deals at least at the very minimum, um, include having a media kit. And I mentioned a bit about that earlier, but your media kit is really just about you and your brand, but also it's not from the perspective of you. It's also a perspective to pitch yourself to brands that are aligned, right? And so when you talk about your values and your vision, you're also having the opportunity to share that message in a way that'll resonate with a brand, right? Be like, oh, like this is the audience that, you know, you want to get access to because it's aligned with your brand. So, so we can't get caught up in ourselves too much in our own ego we have to put it in the context of what our brand's looking for right so Mm -hmm. that's really important when designing a media kit and a media kit is really like a very you know I think a a way cooler and way more beautiful resume right Mm -hmm. you can share your portfolio of previous brands that you've worked with and you can share testimonials and all of these things and it's much more aesthetic right because it needs to represent your brand and your voice and then beyond that you need a rate card and that is like the technical terminology so if you get a brand reaching out to you who knows what they're doing like maybe it's an agency or you know a marketing professional that works for a bigger company they will be like hey I'd love to collaborate with you on behalf of this brand please send me your media kit and your rate card um they're asking for your media kit and your pricing right? Your packages and your pricing. And so I typically call it a pricing guide because I think most people understand that, but rate card is what it's called in the industry. And then from there, you need your pitch email templates. So that's something I teach as well as, you know, what different types of templates that you need. And once you have those ready to go, you can tailor them each time. And honestly, it feels a lot similar to like applying to jobs, right? Because it might be a little bit more like, you know, your cover letter, right? Where you might have a a template that you tailor to each of the jobs that you're applying for. It's similar idea with your pitch emails, but you don't have to overwhelm them with information because you're likely going to attach your media kit and your pricing guide. Um, So it really depends on the type of collaboration that you're pitching. And then more importantly, and this is, you know, something that's missing for a lot of people who are new, but policies. So work with me policies, right? And so I've developed a full suite of policies that are based on my own experience working with, you know, hundreds of collaborations and, you know, hitting the wall with some really awkward experiences and being like, oh, I shouldn't let that happen again. And then from there, I managed to develop a policy around that in order to avoid that situation. And I can give you a specific example there, right? So um, because there's been a big transition since I started with social media, Instagram specifically. So when I first started, there was a lot more emphasis on static images, right? Mm -hmm. And then it became much more emphasis on videos, right? So these days, there's a lot more priority on video content, reels, that type of thing. 
And so as I started to transition and create content that was more video focused, um, I was creating reels for clients. And I remember (laughs) putting so much time, energy and work into a video only for the client to be like, can we change a couple words? Mm, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And so I do have this policy already where I, you know, I outline my process where I'm like, I will never publish content that has not been given the green light, right? Because I never want to publish something that says something that suddenly the brand's like, why would you put that online? That's not mm-hmm. appropriate, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get sued, right? Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to get sued. And so I always make sure they know that I will not put anything online without. Um, but because the video thing was new to me, it you know didn't occur to me, and maybe this is obvious to other people, that I should have sent the script first and then gotten the approval from them, right? Approve the script before I create. So now... I developed this like process slash policy that this is how it works. Right. And so not only that, and when I, uh, is that even after they gave me the green light and then I recreated this new video with the approved script, this was an agency I was working with. Right. So the agency represented the brand. Mm -hmm. And so there's this middle person who's kind of going between. Right. And so the agency had submitted the video to, that they said was good to me, but they said, mm. sent it to the brand, but the brand wanted to make a change. Mm. So then they came back and they're like, I'm sorry, we approved your script and we thought the video was good to go. But the brand, unfortunately, um, it, it wasn't that there was something wrong, but it was something brand oriented that the agency missed. But either way, um, I ended up having to do the video again. Thankfully, they paid me for the additional work because that time the mess up was on their end. So they owned it, which was great. But then because of this whole experience, I changed my policy to include like, you know, I will only redo content one time after that you have to pay extra. Right. And so please know my process is X, Y, Z. And this is the policy, meaning if you need another one, you pay more. So with that whole experience, now I've got this like massive list of policies that I have based on experience that, you know, you're not necessarily going to find in a media kit template online. So, and then the last thing I would say um, is because, like I said, planning is a really important component and so is pitching. So I think a collaboration plan for the, you know, coming year is really important. That was part of my process. So like every January, I would literally take up the calendar and plan my collaborations in advance. And I knew within that year, I would get opportunities coming into my inbox or my DMs. But I wanted to plan my pipeline in advance because I didn't Mm want to be worried that I wasn't going to be able to make any money, right, during that time. So if I had the whole year ahead planned, then I knew I could pitch opportunities at the right time for brands, um, then I was good to go. So basically, these are really important elements. I'm just going to quickly recap because Mm -hmm. I feel like I've talked a lot. So, um, but yeah, your media kit your pricing guide, your pitch email templates, your policies, and then your own collaboration plan for the next 12 months. Wow. I love that so much. And it's so evident that you're a pro at this and have been through it so many times. And I think this is exactly why, you know, some people could say like, well, I can just figure this all out on my own. I can start working with brands. I can set my prices, you know, learn as I go. And of course you could, but, you know, learning from someone like you, who's been through it, who's like you said, gone back revision after revision, and then put it in the policy and changed it for next time. 
I think it's just such a good reminder that sometimes it's worth, you know, if this is like a strategy for your business or a strategy for your brand that you want to move forward with, you know, to put, you know, uh, consideration into like maybe learning from someone who's gone through it. So you don't, you know, bite yourself in the butter, you know, kick yourself in the butt because you're like, okay, like, Tara knows she's gone through it. She can help me. And I think even just giving people the framework of, yeah, media kit, pricing, pitch emails, and so on, just gives structure. Cause I think people just think, oh, it's just, you just work with a brand. Like, you know, they don't think through the steps, which actually leads me to this next question. We've kind of touched on it a bit, but this whole idea about like working with brands in exchange for free stuff. And the reason I bring this up is because going through that all, like, it's, it's work. It sounds like it's going to take some strategy. It's going to take some methodology to put into place. So do you recommend going to the trouble of all of this just in exchange for free stuff? Or is the goal kind of to get these paid brand partnerships? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I like that you're emphasizing the work involved because it can look really dreamy when you're following other people on social media and you're like, oh, free stuff, that sounds great. Or these amazing brand collaborations, like, you know, some of the collaborations I've done have required, you know, spending two days or three days going through contracts, right? And there's a lot of back and forth. So just the negotiation process with some of the brands that you're working with, some will be easy and super smooth, but some will be lengthy and like into the minutia and the details. So yes, I really like that you're emphasizing that there is work. So that's why it is really important to monetize. But Sometimes, you know, you can work for free. And especially when you're just getting started with brand partnerships, like I said, at the very beginning, you know, I dipped my toes in by doing free stuff, right? So it was a good opportunity to get some client experience or testimonials under my belt. Um, but you don't have to start that way. Um, you know, it's it really is about getting what works for you in terms of experience. But Products, let's be honest, they don't pay the bills. So you have to assess what best works for you. But sometimes if you have, you know, expensive items that you're going to buy anyway, like high-end clothing or, you know, expensive furniture, then it might make sense to work with brands to get these things in exchange for the work that you'll do for them. And I know that that works for a lot of people. But at the same time, and a lot of people I don't think realize this, but you should definitely talk to an accounting professional, though, because some of those items that might seem to be like free products, quote mm -hmm. unquote, um, aren't always free because they may be considered income from a tax perspective. So just be informed when you're making that choice. So if you are getting a, you know, free $5,000 couch in exchange for, you know, a collaboration that involves maybe a blog post, email newsletter, Instagram reel, or TikTok, or whatever you're doing, you know, just make sure you talk to an accounting professional. At the end of the day, this is a business, right? So the brand they're accounting for that from their perspective, right? Because that that couch is mm -hmm. not free for them, right? Yeah. So that is a business expense for them, right? And so for us, the content creators, the business owners who are getting that stuff, like we just need to, to realize that that's, that's still, you know, technically considered income. From what I understand from accounting professionals, I'm not an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, eventually you may get to a place where you can get the really expensive products and the payment together. Um, but ultimately you just have to figure out where you want to land. And I think it's also important to remember, um, if 
everybody just always worked for free, then no brands would put value on paying content creators, right? So, so there's this weird place of, yes, it's good to start out, you know, with some free opportunities, but at the same time, you don't want to stay there too long because, you know, we also need to make sure that, that brands value the work and, um, opportunity and exposure that content creators and entrepreneurs bring for brands, right? And so this also brings me to another point that they, because I've worked with brands big and small, I've seen the big, big, big brands have zero budget for me, right? Mm. They'll be like, oh, like, sorry, we don't have a budget for this. Basically being like, oh, this is a co-marketing opportunity for you. Great exposure for you. You should definitely do this. And I've had to decline them because I'm like, I'm running a business here. And as much as I think this is a really fantastic opportunity, this was like, I was super busy with like, you know, a baby and a book. And I was just like, oh, you want me to work for free? And I knew like, this is a household name and I will not name them here because again, I don't want to be sued, but still I was shocked. But then there's big brands that have deep pockets and they will throw money at you and they will not be a pain in your butt client either. So Mm -hmm. and then you'll see the small brands that are the, the same way. You'll see small brands that are just like, they will not pay a cent for marketing and they will only give you product and they will never pay to work with you. But then there's small, brands that completely see the value of influencer marketing, which is what this industry is technically called, even if you don't want to identify as an influencer, and they will pay you for your work. So it's really important to remember, I know we're talking about working for free, but just realize that brands, both big and small, will work with influencers that are big and small, right? And they will pay as well. And working for free is a good opportunity but you have to assess what works best for you. Yeah, that's a great answer. I think that's just a really good reminder that, um, well, I guess it's just at the end of the day, being strong on your, like what are your needs and what is your kind of baseline? Like, because you're going to have people that are probably going to challenge you when you get into this space, like, oh no, that's free or this is the pay rate and it's much lower than you thought. And, you know, I think having like a strong foundation of like what your needs are is probably, it sounds like one of the most important things so that you don't, end up working yourself out of a job basically, or you just like work so hard, you burn yourself out and it's, you're not making any money and you can't sustain it. And then you have to close your business. So I think seeing it from all perspectives, um, makes a lot of sense and acknowledging the time and commitment that you're putting into making this a part of your business as well. Yeah, definitely. Running a nutrition practice can be hard. There is always just so much to do, and I want you to be able to have more time to focus on the parts of your nutrition practice that fuel you, like helping people and spending less time on tedious admin work. That's why I love recommending Practice Better. Practice Better is a complete practice management software for health and wellness professionals who want to scale their practice without the burnout. Practice Better was founded for practitioners by practitioners, and they understand what it takes to build your dream practice. Practice Better helps automate your booking, charting, and invoicing, but it's also way more than that. Creating protocols and treatment plans and tracking your client's progress is easier than ever, so your clients can be engaged in every step of their plan, and you can provide a high level of care without burning out. Practice Better also integrates with your other favorite softwares so that your client data and recommendations sync securely and seamlessly. You can import data and results easily from lab orders, fitness trackers, and even integrate Practice Better with your email and marketing funnels. 
And with their programs feature, you can have everything you need to build and run an automated group program that can earn you passive income all in one streamlined software. You'll also become a part of a global community of wellness professionals who you can learn and grow with. So if you're a health and wellness professional looking to manage your practice with ease, Practice Better might be a great fit for you. And as an exclusive offer for my listeners, get 20% off your first four months on any paid plan when you use the promo code NEXTLEVEL20 at checkout. It's time to say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to an organized, efficient nutrition practice with Practice Better. So... I guess the last thing I'm thinking is, you know, you've given so many good reasons and also strategy on how people can get started here. But I think there's just like that deep seated feeling. I know, especially this is not to call you out nutritionists, but I know we're helper people. We just want to help. And um, a lot of the time we don't see the value we might bring. And, you know, we deal with a lot of imposter syndrome and we think who would want to work with me or what do I have to offer? Or no one wants to hear from me or, you know, that some of those I guess, like, quote, unquote, self-sabotaging beliefs or imposter syndrome. So what would um, you say about that? Like, when someone's like, why would a brand want to work with me? What would you say to that? Maybe nutritionist that's thinking that. Yeah, that is such a good thing. I think you bringing up the whole imposter syndrome issue is so important because I think a lot of us as business owners, as entrepreneurs and content creators, we have doubts about our value all of the time. And it's hard. It can be really hard because we need to value ourselves in order to be motivated to bring our special gifts to the world, right? Not to sound cheesy, but it's true. And so the best way, in my opinion, to alleviate or even eliminate imposter syndrome is to write out a brag list, which is exactly what you were talking about at the start of this episode. And a brag list is really just a list of all of, you know, our accomplishments, our talents, our life experiences, and our stories, our education, certificates, our media exposure, our work experience, you know, our skills, our hobbies and interests, the list goes on and on. Like that is that is a short version of the list, right? But once you start to have all of this in front of you and you realize the things that you have done with your life, you will probably amaze and wow yourself. And with that, you're probably going to start to feel a lot better about what, you know, you have what you bring to the world, right? So having this list is a useful tool for reminding ourselves of the value that we have to offer the world. Plus, we can pick a few of these things out of the list to show our value to potential brand partners, right? So an item on my list includes being a published author with a top publisher, Penguin Random House, which by the way, I totally name drop. And you should name drop too, right? Mm -hmm. I think in a tasteful way, there's nothing wrong with it, right? So I like that because I remember growing up and seeing the little penguin on the side of books at the library or at school and being like, oh, now I have a book that has a little penguin on it. So so for me, it's like actually just really deeply rooted in my childhood. And so I'm really proud of that accomplishment. 
but also other people typically tend to recognize that publisher name. But it, the stories don't always have to be so formal, right? You can share a personal life story that adds value as well. And so a story that I would often share um, in the context of like my blog, the Zero Waste Collective, was about the time that I was snorkeling in Bali in, in Indonesia. And I was shocked by the amount of trash I saw intermingling with the fish and how that this was a pivotal moment that shaped my path in life, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have so much to add that is very unique to ourselves, right? That is a very me-specific story that I had in my life. And so I shared that a lot. And that was something that came up in a lot of my media interviews when promoting my book, because people are like, oh, like what, what, you know, what happened in your life or, or share your story or, you know, there's, yeah. so your, your brag list is a good opportunity to share your stories. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it makes you unique. It makes you interesting. It shows your value so that you never have to worry again about what value you bring to the world. Just look at your brag list and <laughs> probably have a better day. <laughs> Well, I know, uh, so on our last uh, call for your uh, Profitable Content Creator Chorus, I, we did the brag list. And so I was kind of working on it while we were going through the chorus um, content together. And I was actually amazed at all of the things that I was writing down, you know, things that have spanned over the last couple of years that I haven't really like taken the time to put onto paper. And also, I think something worth mentioning is like, I also thought to myself, yeah, but this is, these aren't like extravagant, like you know, like numbers of people on my email list or visitors to my website or X, Y, Z, but something you had said to me is, but you're very niche down. So you have a very like loyal, you know, community of people that are very specific. And I think that's also can be something that everyone listening can consider as well as like, you're probably going to be promoting or talking about brands that are like specific to your audience. So you don't need to have these like crazy big numbers. Um, it can, you know, start from the beginning when you're starting small, just, just like I would consider myself a couple of years in, I would still say I'm definitely within the nano influencer space and at the same time could create a big impact because I'm really clear on the type of person I'm talking to. So I thought that was worth mentioning as well. Yeah, I think that's, it just is a good reminder of coming back to that place of we all start somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. So even if you feel like you're small right now, um, you know, reframe it. Don't, don't worry so much about the numbers. The numbers are what they are now and numbers will change over time, right? If you're committed to what you're doing now, then you're probably going to experience growth within that space, but just own where you are right now and do what you can within that. Because if we give up because we think that we just don't have the numbers, then we're not going to start to build that, you know, part of our business, right? And paid part partnerships can be a lucrative part of our business, right? An added revenue stream. Um, and especially too right now, right? We've got uh, an industry that is growing year after year. Like the amount of money that is being put by you know various companies into influencer marketing just keep growing so why not you know get a part of that you know a piece of that pie mm -hmm. and add that especially you know with an uncertain economy that is something that is still growing regardless so it's a really good opportunity for anybody's business yeah i absolutely agree well thanks again for sharing everything that was 
honestly so helpful. You were so generous with not only your own story and your own background and um, your own experience, but also giving people the first few steps that they can consider in getting started with their own uh, brand partnership. So thanks again so much for, for coming on. And I know that you have something really exciting coming up specifically for my audience, which you've been so generous to provide. And it's an upcoming webinar called the Profitable Content Creator Free Masterclass. So that's on April 26, 2023 at 12 p.m. Eastern time. And um, if anybody wants to join that, I highly suggest you do. I know I'm going to be there live as well to learn from Tara. And you can go to the show notes to sign up for that. I will have the link there for you to just join. But why don't you just tell us a little bit more about what they might expect from that uh, webinar? Yeah. Well, first of all, Stephanie, I really want to say thank you for having me. It's always such a delight to talk with you because you're just so, you have this aura of kindness and generosity, and I really appreciate the time and the opportunity to speak on your podcast. So thank you so much for having me. Um, But yeah, so the masterclass is really going to take a deep dive into how to make money with brand partnerships. And the cool bonus part of this is because it is live, there's going to be an in-depth Q&A period with me too. So you can pick my brains about all the experience. Um, But yeah, if you liked what you heard today in this podcast episode, then I think you're going to love this because we are just going to get into more detail. And the visual piece is really, really important because, you know, with a podcast, this is very, you know, um, we're listening and talking, whereas the visual piece is really, really important too. So, yeah. And I know I've learned so much just from the Q&A that we'll do at the end of uh, each module in your course and just going into it in greater detail and being like, okay, like I lo- you taught me this, but what about XYZ in my personal situation? And that always feels so good because I know, especially with a topic like brand partnerships, I just think there's so many nuances, whether someone's kind of like prepping and planning to start them or maybe is in the middle of a brand partnership and they just need to kind of like talk things out. So um, yeah, I'm also excited to attend the Q&A myself and, and be there to learn from you. There's always such a wealth of knowledge that you can share there. So um, again, I'll put all of the links uh, for you to join that free masterclass in the show notes. Again, it's the Profitable Content Creator Free Masterclass on April 26, 2023 at 12 p.m. Eastern time and link is in the show notes to join us there. So thanks again for coming. This was so fun and I'll definitely have to have you on again. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend or take us on social media. Catch you next time.